scripture says to work as unto the Lord. That's not hourly. That's not compensated. That's heart and obedience. And sometimes that is equated to your paycheck. And I think you just have to be very clear about when you're working for the Lord and not or, but and working for church and how those two things are sometimes the same. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. And Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter, at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Aisha. Welcome to Between the Grooves with James Curtis and Aisha Woods. This is our road trip series, uh, hanging out with artists and groups at uh, various Christian music festivals and uh, getting these candid conversations going. And I I just love this time of the year because of the music festivals, not only the concerts, but the chance to actually chat behind the scenes yeah. with with these artists. And today's guest, as soon as I met him and started chatting with him, he reminded me of you, Aisha. Is that right? He did. Yeah, just his <laughs> his his mind uh so much like you and and he's on staff at a church and and so mm-hmm. everything he does is is basically what you do as well, leading worship and and a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I mean, even things like right. you know, Christmas cantatas and Easter programs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all that stuff that goes into the job of a, a worship pastor. There's all these extra things right. that you do and and that you gotta coordinate and it's not just a simple just lead worship on a Sunday. There's a lot of no. stuff. You know, uh, so the office more. the office stuff. Yeah. So we're gonna get into Everything from balance in life to time management to uh, Sabbath time, setting boundaries and all that other stuff. He's a Grammy-winning songwriter, producer, musician, church leader, Dwan Hill from Integrity Music. Oh, yes. Uh, Let's see how it sounds. So um, you are a songwriter, you're a producer, you're a publisher, um, and I, I take it you're on the road a lot as well. I used to be. Not I as have, much I now? I have two little people at home, two little kids, so. How old? Uh, six and four. Six and four. So you're right up Aisha's. Um, oh, yeah. Um, okay. Like, she's got young kids as well. My kids are older. I've got a 19-year-old daughter oh, and a wow. 22-year-old son. Oh, wow. So you're spending less time traveling because of the kids specifically? Mostly, and I also work as um, a worship pastor at our church. Okay. And so I try are you to on be, staff? I'm on staff, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I try to be home as much as I can, and then I come out. Um, for specific events, right? When, when it makes sense. So yeah. the on staff thing, I think, is great for a musician or an artist, specifically a Christian artist, mm-hmm. uh, being on staff at a church because it kind of gives you the ability to ble- be a little more flexible without mm-hmm. worrying about income. That's if right. I can say. I mean, there's a very, right. very simple solution to That's that right. if if somebody will have you. Yeah. But it's also not uh, very stable. Like there's been a lot of. Yeah, it's Up, been a, upheaval, especially during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, I think it's um, it's a fine line because you don't want to work at a church because of the pay. But if the church is hopefully your home church and that's where you're growing spiritually, um, it is a nice benefit 
to be compensated for the work because it is a lot of work. You know, it's just not showing up on Sunday. It's oh, I know. Set planning, it's volunteer care, it's uh, prayer, it's discipleship, and, and it's not the same. It's not a nine to five job either. No, it's you not. know, because no, if you're not. dealing with volunteers in the church, the volunteers themselves are working yeah, nine to five. That's right. And so that's your right. evenings are caught up and stuff. And with young kids, that can't be the greatest that's either. Right. That's right. right. So yeah. I understand all of that. My brother is a pastor, okay. and uh, his his philosophy is always me, which I really admire. Um, he believes that somebody on staff in a church should put in a, how do I say this right without sounding like you should be a workaholic? He believes somebody on staff at a church should be working a 50-hour week. Wow. And the reason why he says that is because 40 of those hours are paid for and the other 10 hours, and, maybe, and it doesn't have to be 10 hours, but the additional time is what you would qualify as your volunteer time. Interesting. Because if you expect somebody to work a 40-hour week, in their job and then volunteer in the church, then you should be willing to do the same. So I thought that was interesting. It's always different because as a pastor, typically Sunday's a work day. And so I always look at it saying, but you got Monday off, right? But yeah, but that's that's your that's your Sabbath perhaps. Yeah, and that's depending your downtime. on the yeah, depending on the on the uh, church and the responsibilities, fifty hours is not that hard to reach. You know? I know. I mean, you think if you have multiple services on a Sunday or you are doing ball games or coffees or dinners with people yeah. or running to the hospital or yeah. having a prayer meeting and it gets you don't have to work very hard to get fifty hours. No. I would actually say it's it's sometimes a challenge to to um, have boundaries in ministry. Yeah. To where you your wife and your kids feel as valued as the ministry. That's what I have to work on yeah. constantly. I don't have a problem working at church. The no problem I, is actually Working too much at Working church. Too much at yeah, church. yeah. No, I hear you. And yeah. this is my challenge with the church. I can't believe I'm saying this. I understand that that churches aren't, you know, soaking in the financial realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they don't have tons of finances to work with necessarily, mm-hmm. especially when they're taking a lot of their funds and supporting missions and, mm-hmm. and whatever else they do as a church. I understand you need to pay your staff, mm-hmm. um, and I think they should be comp- compensated fairly. Mm-hmm. Here's my beef is when a church asks for a worship pastor or a music pastor to come on staff part-time. Mm-hmm. That's my beef. Hmm. And the reason why it's my beef is because there's no such thing as part-time. Hmm. What you're suggesting, and I'm going to be bold and say this, is what you're suggesting is you want to pay part-time hours for a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I, have a, I, I, am, I am livid about that. Yeah. Honestly, I am. Yeah. I under, if you can't afford a music pastor yeah. to pay them full time, yeah. then then look for another way to do it yeah. because that is not fair to you. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I, I think a lot of churches have a hard time um, establishing clear job descriptions yeah. and hours and sticking to them. Yeah, so the ones because have, your job description yeah. continues to grow. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, and, and here's another thing that, and this is not, this isn't to do necessarily with music pastors or church environments at all, but in any, in any job, just because you're good at something mm-hmm. doesn't mean you should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not part of your job description, mm-hmm. then somebody else can do it. You yeah. might be good at it, yeah. but now it's taking from what yeah. you should be doing, yeah, what, well, your, what your job description is. I mean, it's, the hard thing is if, if scripture says to work as unto the Lord, that's not hourly, that's not compensated, that's heart and obedience. Yeah. And sometimes that is equated to your paycheck. And I think you just have to be very clear in, with your direct report and your manager and your pastor about when you're working for the Lord 
and not or, but and working for church and how those two things are sometimes the same. And sometimes, and sometimes, well, I'll say they're all, they should always be the same. You should always be working at church as unto the Lord. Yeah. You should always be serving In any job. As, a, as any yeah, job. absolutely. But that doesn't mean that the ministry can dictate the time of your life. Um, and so I would just, I, my way of, of doing it, and I'm really grateful for Crosspoint where I work, they're actually very good at time management when it comes to hours. We, we get full two days off. Yeah. I don't get calls and text messages and messages on my two days off. But we work when we're in the office. Yeah. You know, so. And there's nothing wrong with working hard. Yeah. But, and I, and I take it you enjoy your job. I do enjoy my job. So yeah. if you, because I enjoy my job and mm-hmm. one of my biggest challenges, now I'm a perfectionist, um, I, I love my job and I love what I do, but I've, I've come to terms with the fact that it's my job mm-hmm. and, and perhaps my ministry, mm-hmm. but it's not my life. Yes. And so how do you do that? How do you come to terms and how do you manage your time so that oh, you don't man. get sucked into this thing that you enjoy so much man. and not be at home with your family? It's, you may need to ask somebody else, <laughs> but uh, it's, a, um, it's a challenge, man, because I love my job too. And yeah. I could, I, almost every day when I look at the clock, it's 5.30, 6 o'clock, I have to pull myself away because I love what I do. Yeah. I love playing music. I love thinking about how to teach a congregation. I love writing songs. I love playing music. So um, I have to really discipline myself yeah. to value other things. And my wife is really great. She helps. She, you know, gently reminds me when it's time to come in for dinner. Yeah, or yeah. she's like, we need yeah. to take a vacation. Or um, you say you're off today. Why are you answering that phone call? Um, and I've, I've learned a lot about Sabbath and rhythms of rest. And I try yeah. to take... So we get two days off from work, but I try to take another one of those days to completely unplug yeah. and to focus on my family. Yeah. I, I, I do better sometimes than other weekends, but... I, I've done that too, and I've, uh, I learned that during the pandemic, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I learned that during the pandemic is because I still had to go in the office every day. I still had the morning show to do. Uh, every, everybody else at the radio station got to work from home. And I was a little jealous. I was a little a little mm-hmm. teed off because mm-hmm. they were making um, they were making more money than me. And I'll qualify that they were making more money because they all got a pay raise. And what I qualify that by saying they didn't have to drive into work, so they were saving some right. themselves a few hundred right. dollars a right. month uh, in paying right. for gas. Right. And I would have liked to have that money. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not complaining or anything because I, I love my job. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. again, it's not it's not a complaint. And then and then they gained a few hours of commute time, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So that was time that they got mm-hmm. to keep now. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned during the pandemic is I need to, and I do it on a Sunday where I, I just completely shut down and I might get a call from somebody. Uh, hey, let's do something. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, staying yeah, home yeah, and I'm yeah, vegging. Yeah, yeah. And my wife is the same way now. And here's something I've learned. And it's interesting. I don't, I don't understand why we're talking about this. So this is Who obviously knows? important for yeah, somebody, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was having a conversation with somebody last night, a coworker, mm-hmm. and I was explaining how, because I do the morning show, my, my day starts a half day earlier than everybody else. Mm-hmm. My day ends at work at noon. But when I'm, when I'm done at noon, everybody else is still in the office. And so very often I'll keep going because I just got this to do. I just got this to do. I just got this to do. I just want to get it done so I don't have to worry about it later. I uh, just want to finish this off my to-do mm-hmm. list and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said to this coworker, I said, I said to him, if you see me at the office five minutes past the time... I'm supposed to leave. Mm-hmm. I would like you to please say to me, James, 
go home. Yeah. You're done for the day. Yeah. Because that would help me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he will or not. Yeah. But I would hope he does something like that. I think that's a good point about accountability. You know, a lot of, a lot of the hard things that we try to do by ourselves um, don't work because no one is holding us accountable to it. Right, right. And so I think that's great. I think it's great to have someone to say, hey, man, this is what you said you wanted to do. Yeah. Do you still want to do that? Yeah. And it's not a bossy thing, but if you're not... There are some things you can't blame the church for. There's some things you can't blame ministry for. We are making decisions of our own accord yeah. to do unhealthy things. Yeah, that's and true. And so while we do have to have, I'm sure we have a lot of work to do when it comes to ministry and church, but I think it starts with our own um, uh, own heart posture and our own discipline and our own work for the Lord. Am I really doing this as unto the Lord? And if it's as unto the Lord, it's not going to be detrimental to to me or people around me, it's going to be serving them. Yeah. And sometimes serving means you go the extra mile and you do things that may be a sacrifice or a cost to you, but not detrimental. Right. And not and not. And by um, detrimental, it's impacting other areas that need to have yeah, a higher position right. in your that's in right. your priorities. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We give our lives to the Lord. And we give our lives to other people, but we do that because God asks us to do it in that moment, in that space of time, not because over my whole life I don't have good boundaries. Right. Those and and it should be fun to do. And it should be uh, not a um, a position where it's like I, uh, you're doing it in regret. You're right. doing it. Uh, well, sorry, it, it could be out of guilt too. You're yeah. not doing it out of guilt, yeah. and you're not doing it out of the the feel yeah. that you you feel obligated yeah. to do it when maybe yeah. you shouldn't. Maybe there's somebody yeah. else that could do it. Maybe yeah. not as well as you could do it. Yeah. But but they could do it, and they yeah. should be doing it. That's right. Right. So That's right. tell me about like what did, what is what is your uh, passion? Hmm. What what do you love to do? I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you work for the church and stuff, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. you've got the side yeah. stuff that happens as yeah. well, and yeah. you and everything else. Yeah. I know you do. Um, aren't you like a music director for some some art, other I've, artists yeah, as well? Yeah, I've done a few artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that that intrigues me. Like yeah. I would love to do a job yeah. like that just for that. Yeah. Just to hang with them and yeah. to help steer the ship and stuff. Yeah, it's fun. You, what's involved in all of that? Well, for the music direction, you basically take an artist and their record and their, their uh, goal as an artist on the road yeah um and you do shows like we are right now at a festival or at a venue or at a theater and you just kind of help organize those arrangements because a studio version may not be the same as a live version right and you might want to do medleys of their biggest songs whatever so it's a really close relationship between the artist and music director to make sure that the live show is what people pay for right you know so i like that i did that until i got married and had kids and i didn't want my income to be primarily away from the house right just it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And around that same time, I was also interested in helping out at our church in Nashville. And uh, I come from a church as a baby. Both of my grandfathers are pastors. And I didn't want to be a pastor, but it, it was very clear that I had the same giftings. And so to answer your question about what I'm passionate about, I love teaching. I, I, even underneath music is this love to see light bulbs go off in people's eyes yeah. when they grasp something about the Lord they didn't know or they're encouraged in a way they didn't know they could be encouraged or or they're inspired in some way that's like my bread and butter I happen to do music to do that and this is you know I'm 38 years old I'm talking this is what I figured out after years yeah because I would have told you maybe 10 years ago my passion is music but uh, I think it's actually truthfully teaching I think that's my gift under there my brother's a pastor mm-hmm. he's a teaching pastor mm-hmm. he's a lead pastor in a church and what I've heard is that a lot of times a teacher is just kind of learning the stuff too. Mm. Maybe maybe you knew something about mm-hmm. it, but but you've just in mm-hmm. studying and preparing for it, mm-hmm. you've learned a whole bunch yourself. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that as That's well? That's true. I mean, I can't speak for all teachers, but I love the whole process. I love 
the research, I love the presentation, and I love the eval feedback. I just, I just like how to take complex ideas and make them simple and, and palpable for somebody. And so, yeah, I, I have a thirst for knowledge. And when I read something new in the Bible or something old that I haven't looked at, and it's a new vantage point, I mean, it's Christmas for me. Yeah. So I would say, I would say probably the best teachers are, are lifelong learners because we're not only learning information, we're also learning people and learning styles. And how can I communicate this to 300 people or thousands of people or two people in a way that they can grasp what I feel like God wants you to share for them? And then that's, you know, how I might need to do a visual thing. I might need to change my voice here. I might need to sing a song here. I might need to you know, use my hands, you know? Yeah. And so not, we're not only learning information, we're also learning delivery and, and kind of updating that bank as much as we can. Yeah. I never thought about the delivery standpoint. Yeah. Like you hear a lot of, or see a lot of uh, pe- people that speak it's and that are using their words. It's a skill. It is a skill. I, I used to think that I don't, I wouldn't say it's a waste of time, but I didn't put value in things like that. So you just preach the word, you just read a scripture and you do what God tells you to do. It's yeah. going to be anointed. And that's true. But I think communication is a whole field of study like music is. I wouldn't say to a musician, God's going to anoint you, don't go practice. Yeah. I would say go practice and God's going to anoint you. And there's, a, there's, there's God's part and our part. Communication is the same way. I think God gives you an inspiration. He gives you a scripture or, or a message to share. But how we deliver it, we've all sat and listened to bad communicators. Yeah. They're boring or too long or not interesting or don't feel, you don't feel like they know what they're talking about. So you got to have some confidence. You got to have some delivery skills. And then I think you have to have empathy. Like you have to, like I can't teach anybody on how, on how to do woodworking. I have no idea how to do that. Right. But I could teach a lesson on, I don't know how to do woodworking. Yeah. And the lesson is like humility yeah. and <laughs> listening and yeah. trusting God. And well, in that know, case, I could do the same thing. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> yeah. that's what I mean by teacher. It's yeah. like, you don't have to know how to do a thing to, to come with a lesson for people. Yeah. If your ears are open, I think part of it too is is knowing who the audience is. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. I'm I'm always uh, baffled in one sense, but always in awe in another sense how someone could be on on stage uh, because you can be leading a song, mm-hmm. leading worship, and I've led worship too, mm-hmm. and know that that takes that skill. Thing. It does. How do you lead a song with a congregation? And without saying it, this is I, I've always mm-hmm. been thrilled at uh, um, the ability of a song or, or worship leader that go mm-hmm. up on the stage and be able to lead people into worship and get people to raise their hands and praise and worship mm-hmm. to God without asking them to lift their hands and raise their hands and yeah. worship to God. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, all of that. You're 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 stomping on a soapbox, so I'll try to keep this brief. But I was just reading Revelation this morning when John saw the Lord. He didn't need instruction on how to respond to him. He said he fell as a dead man. And I feel like the job of worship leader is is to coach and to teach and disciple, but the first primary responsibility is to introduce people to Jesus. Yeah. Once once they know, it's like being a third wheel on a date. Like if you're on a date with somebody else, you don't want me sitting here talking to you all the whole time. Now I can I can serve you, I can bring you food, I can, you know, help make the ambiance great, but at some point you want to hang out with that person. So there's two, two things going on. One, a worship leader is introducing people to Jesus, and their response to him will be their response. Sometimes that's bowing, singing, lifting their hands. That's a personal response. But then we have a, worship leaders have a responsibility to facilitate a corporate experience. Right. And then that's in the corporate experience, we all kind of lay our personal 
premises down and we do something like the Bible would say, they all bowed before the Lord or they all sang a song or all they raised their hands. And that's when more instruction may be needed so everyone knows like this is the moment where you, rest, where you lift your hands. And so I think both are going on. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's important to not get in between God and man as a worshiper. Yeah, yeah. That's, I agree with you. And it, it's interesting because uh, me having come from a church where I led worship you know, regularly, um, my favorite moments in leading worship mm-hmm. was starting the song mm-hmm. and stopping. Mm-hmm. Like not mm-hmm. stopping the song, mm-hmm. but stop singing. Yeah. I heard someone say recently, it, it is a job of modern worship leaders, and I dare say all worship leaders, to give the song to the congregation. Yeah. And for a as long, long time, as long as they know the song. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because that's, that's, right, that's the right, other complication. Right, like it's got to right. be either a hymn that everybody knows or a worship song that everybody that's knows right. where you can where that's you can right. have that ability that's to right. do that. Well, you right. just try you try to make the threshold or the step into corporate worship accessible to everybody. Yeah. Through scripture, through song, through exhortation. But a lot of worship leaders, including myself at times, have made the focus ourselves and making ourselves look good and sound good when really the job of a worship leader is to serve someone else yeah. and to make the congregation, again, have a connection with their creator. And if that happens, sometimes I won't look that great. I'll actually stop singing. You know? So let's, let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's really important in this day and age of technology and tracks mm-hmm. and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, where does the show stop? Mm-hmm. You know, like I, one of my pet peeves is when I hear of a worship or a music, uh, a worship uh, singer-songwriter type person mm-hmm. on social media say, oh, just had three great shows out west. Mm-hmm. And and the word show just really yeah. annoys me because, yeah. okay, so it's a show now. Yeah, like, yeah, I thought yeah, you yeah. were leading worship, right? Yeah, yeah. So where does the show stop and the worship experience start, or or should there never be a show? Like, I understand, yeah, I understand yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the tracks. I understand yeah. that this is the way the song goes, yeah. and this is the way we're doing it yeah. because of that. But where does all of that, where does it become question. Um, uh, an intimate experience versus planned? That's a good question. Yeah. I, I think we just have to be very careful not to make the service about people in, in a way that people are receiving the attention and the worship. It is about people in terms of serving them and helping them meet the Lord. But it's not about them in terms of how we make them comfortable at the expense of meeting the Lord. Right, right, yeah. And so I think it's really important that we don't, um, we don't forget that some of the same elements in a show are in a service. There's lights, there's sound, there's production, maybe haze, depending on what church you go to. Yeah, bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> those, those things don't disqualify a service from being worshipful, but they need to serve God right. and people to make not sure the focus. it's not yeah. the focus yeah. you know? right. and that's hard I think yeah. I think every week we should be having meetings like are we are we balanced right now? how yeah. was last week did we do did we serve the Lord well did we serve people and next week are we serving the Lord serving people I, I, I suppose if you don't notice that stuff then it's working yeah right yeah. as soon as you start to notice it's like then yeah. and and I'm probably the worst person for that because I look at stuff like that yeah, yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. see how they're doing yeah. stuff and yeah. so maybe from my standpoint, I need to not concentrate on right, that stuff and right, concentrate right. on the worship. So yeah. goes, and we're like, probably more sensitive to, to it than maybe normal people are. Yeah, yeah. More, normal people are just glad to be in the house of God yeah. and singing. That was awesome. <laughs> Man, so great much. to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you. Yes, sir. Really enjoyed having It's interesting because I see Dwan as the young man that was playing on the organ or playing on the keyboard at his home church in Nashville 
well over a decade ago. Really? You know, and then to see him evolve and everything that that God has kind of put in his lap and him just being so good at what he does. Yeah. It's refreshing. Golly, it's refreshing. I found we need more. <laughs> yeah, we need more of that. I, f- I found he's um he's very much like a sponge. And what I mean by that is is he's he soaks in all this information and all this experience, yes. but then he wrings the sponge out and helps other people. Right, right. Right. He's a great teacher and and his mind like in that conversation you can just hear his mind going like he's just a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. He's not I mean it's not like he's just a kid uh still learning right. immature or anything like that. Like there is a maturity about him and that's reflected obviously in his in his songwriting and his sure. time with Integrity Music and also all the things that he's done. I mean, hey, he's won he's won Grammys. So Boom. there's that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. Great, great conversation. Um, your thoughts on church life. I guess, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, he reminded me of you because he's on staff mm-hmm. at a church and he's doing the music thing. He's writing music. He's got the family going. He loves his job. You know, nothing yes. wrong with that. But there is the right. concern that the job overtakes you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great that healthy boundaries are put in place. And we can we can thrive when there is certain structure that, you know, if there are boundaries and healthy boundaries, we can move accordingly. Um, And he's done it well. I just just hats off to him. I think it's great. The nice thing hearing uh, Dwan Hill acknowledging the fact that he doesn't have it down pat. He doesn't have it perfect. He's still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an ongoing mm-hmm. battle throughout your entire career is, is figuring out that balancing right. act. So apparently Dwan has some new music out and you can check it out at his website, dwanhill.com. Well, let's jump over to our artist advice segment. Uh, this week, we're hearing from Lydia Laird. I think I would just say be honest, um, which sounds kind of weird, but I think it's really easy to... Uh, try to fit into other people's boxes or try to look a certain way or present ourselves a certain way in order to do well in this industry. And I think God's really called us to be like David, who was just an honest writer. David wrote the Psalms mm-hmm. and I would say he's he's like the original Christian artist, right? And it's like he was a man after God's own heart and he didn't really pull punches. Um, he was just honest about who he was and even in his messiness and his brokenness and and, you know, I think sometimes we think we have to hide the bad, only put on the good. And I would say the best way we can lead people to the throne and the best way we can lead people to the cross is just by being honest. You know what, what I got out of that, honestly, was the original <laughs> Christian <laughs> artist, David. <laughs> I never really thought about that that's before. Right. Yeah, that's wild. Can you imagine his publishing catalog? Can you imagine? Can you, If you think <laughs> back, think back on all the songs that he's written, sorry, all the yes. all the songs that have been written inadvertently by him. People have taken you better know it. the lyrics from the Psalms and put them into songs. And I, I mean, is he getting the credit for that? Well, after so many years, uh, that's public domain. So, so anything in the Bible why. is public domain? Because I mean, <laughs> yeah. the Bible's been around for a little bit, from what I understand. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> 
honestly, what she shared was perfect. That is it for this week. We continue our road trip next week. Another great uh, conversation to share with you on Between the Grooves. Thanks for listening to Fate Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves or email us anytime. Hello at faithstrongtoday.com.